is Nicole Whitney, News for the Soul, life-changing talk radio from the uplifting to the unexplained. It's a great honor. Next on News for the Soul, it's time for the Whole Health Initiative with Dr. Holly. With more degrees than a thermometer, Dr. Holly's PhDs include psychology, natural medicine, herbal medicine, nutrition, and Ayurveda. She's a scientist, professional speaker, and the author of over 20 books. She also sees and works with energy, and she's here to help you achieve complete optimum health. Please welcome Dr. Holly back to News for the Soul. Hi, everybody, and welcome to July the 14th. Hope you're having a good day. We have an intensive program set up for today, so we're not going to do the individual components of medical and gardening and questions and answers. We're going to do a program more focused on understanding what's in the news, again, about our wonderful COVID, and with regard particularly to the graphene oxide. We have a lot of information to provide for you, and hopefully it will be a benefit. Now, we have talked about various concerns regarding the job. That it creates blood. Oh, by the way, just to let you know, um, my website and my <laughs> emails have been blocked. I wonder why. So we're working on trying to unblock them. So the article it has not even been sent to Nicole, so she can't post it right now. But we hope by the end of the day it will be posted, So just to let you know. Okay, so what items have we discussed in the last, oh, for so long? Um about the job. Let's just go over a few of them and identify just to create a summary. Yes, it does create blood clots, especially in the lungs that can then cause heart attacks and strokes in particular. Yes, it has effect on hormones and on pregnancy. Yes, it has an effect on creating magnetic patterns in the body um, that are so strong, number one, that we've seen various videos of people holding coins up to the jab, and, of course, the coins uh, stay on the body like a magnetic. But the um, more important component, perhaps, is that the magnetic patterns interrupt with your pineal gland, which is your master hormone regulator in the body. So that that's pretty, pretty huge. Uh, the somehow impacts the non-jab person. So if you're jabbed and you have a partner or children or uh, co-workers that you're around, it can cause problems in the non-jabbed people, causing everything from heart attacks and strokes, seizures, and even death, and even in animals. Apparently there's a, um, I put that out last week, I think, a Facebook uh, channel that has it jumped from like 16,000 to 78,000 in like two weeks with people posting issues, critical events, deaths, et cetera, um, with regard to the jabs. Um, it, Google doesn't allow it just to be posted. You have to um, find someone who knows and be invited, I think. I don't use Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. I don't use any of those because of all the um, international lawsuits. So I haven't been on any of those programs for like, two years, I think. Um, I haven't even opened them up. So if people send me articles that they found on Facebook, if it won't just open up, if it needs me to sign in, I do not sign into it. Just to let you know that. Okay, uh, so not only does it affect people around you, but it affects your DNA and RNA, which is an issue we'll get into in a bit. What exactly is that? Then, of course, we have the huge issue about numbers, Um, numbers that they are distorting, eliminating, altering, taking out of context, whether it be about the COVID-19 cases that were diagnosed and or uh, deaths, the PCR testing, the validity and reliability, the jabs, critical events, deaths, administrations, etc. They've all been hugely distorted, taken out of context, manipulated, etc., and there's just so much data on that. It's overwhelming. Uh, But why? Why? Well, to create the fear pandemic. We know that. It really wasn't a viral pandemic. It was a fear pandemic. Science, science, just as a general construct, science, the evolution of understanding and exploring the world and understanding the world, 
as many have noted repeatedly, has gone down a very dark hole. Uh, it has been used and abused by finance, by governments, by institutions, and individuals. So that is a huge issue with regard to the jobs. Now, as much as these are hugely disturbing issues, and certainly issues pose questions as to why they want us to take the job, we have to know that in the last week, two weeks, there has been all kinds of new information that has come out, colleagues, you with. So what are the issues that are coming up more recently? Well, number one is this whole issue about graphene oxide. Number two, which I find fascinating, I knew some of the graphene oxide stuff before, but what I find really fascinating, and we're not even going to talk about it today, but I wanted to bring it up because we are going to get into it probably next week, is Dr. David Martin's information. Now, we've been taught historically we have 23 pairs of chromosomes and we have 25,000 genes on those chromosomes and the genes are made up of, you know, it's the helix um, um, model that we've been given and he's saying it's clay-based and it is basically, the helix is basically an antenna. It's all based on vibrational frequencies but the model that we were given, he has identified who backed that up and why Fricks and Watson got the Nobel Prize for it, but that it has always been just a model. And basically his analogy is it's like taking one of those uh, beautiful um, pictures that are done by um, weaving strings of um, material together and taking them down and... In putting all the strings into a pile of um, piles of colors, if you want, and then using those piles of colors to describe life, that that is totally inaccurate, totally in, um, inappropriate. And the re- one of the reasons that it sparks an interest in me is because now it makes sense of Tom's book on our DNA. It made a whole lot more sense. Uh, that book is very interesting. Well, I found it very interesting. don't know whether you would or not, but it was an entirely different understanding of healing than I had ever came, come across. And so now I'll get into David Martin's work, like I said, probably next week. Another component that you might want to be aware of is that there was a CDC whistleblower who claims that there is actually over 50,000 who have died in the U.S., not the uh, upwards, what was it, 17,000, I think, that they had said uh, last I looked, but actually over 50,000. So I've given you uh, references for both of those if you're interested in going in them now, but we will get into them on another day because we've got so much to go through today. <laughs> so let's get back to the graphene oxide. What is it? What is it used for? Why all the commotion? Uh, graphene oxide, also known as graphitic oxide or graphitic acid, is a compound that consists of carbon, oxygen, and hydrogen, but is created by oxidizing graphene. So remember what oxidizing means? Uh, that's how we get our free a- uh, radicals, is by, and that's one type of uh, free radical, is by oxidizing. So a real simplistic example is you think of your nail, when you put a nail in a glass of Coke and Coca-Cola, and within a week it's gone all rusty. That's been oxidized. Now, there's various strong oxidizers and various acids um, that can be used uh, on graphite. Uh, and I've given you a Wikipedia article as well as a um, biological scientific article on graphene and graphene oxide. So if you want to go further into it, you can. Um, one of the interesting things is it is dispersible in water, which will come up later. Okay, so how is graphene oxide actually used? Well, it is claimed to be an antimicrobial, according to some. But the research seems to be unsubstantiated. In fact, I've given you a quote, and I've given you lots of quotes through this article. There's lots of places you can go to for the research. In quotation being multiple reports investigating graphene oxide, antibacterial activity, lack rigor and uniformity on several aspects, which are crucial when evaluating this effect. 
So my perception is they're going to come up with um, lots of <laughs> fact check facting, uh, fact checking, sorry, <laughs> uh, about geo and why it is allowable and why it's antimicrobial or antibacterial, et cetera. And so you know in advance that if you do see those articles, they do lack rigor and uniformity and um, they have not been proven. Anyways, if we go on this uh, review, actually, for study, it's a review. It's further explored whether um, graphene oxide and other particles were effective in eliminating bacteria in water and concluded, quote, our experiments show that the only material that could not fully inactivate the tested bacteria was GO or graphene oxide. Okay, so that they actually tested, I think in that study, there was five different compounds, if I remember correctly. The only one that couldn't do it was the um, graphene oxide. Oh, well. Others claim that it is a powerful toxin as opposed to an antimicrobial. And an article says, graphene is a truly impressive material which is immensely durable, yet incredibly lightweight, with incredible electro and thermal conductivity. Now think about, remember that when we get down later to the 5G. These unique properties of graphene allow it to have used, allow it to have used across the industrial spectrum. Graphene discovered around 15 years ago today has a numerous applications in various forms of industries from electrometry to airplane designing, and graphene is finding new and potential uses every day. However, with the new material discovered or invented, there is possible potential for adverse effects on the environment as seen with the use of fossil fuels. Now, we noted it said new and potential uses every day. Well, for the last at least decade, it has they have played around with it when it comes to vaccines, interesting. Okay, this article goes on to explore two major dangerous impacts of graphene articles. The first is a major concern when it comes to health. And we're not going to go into the environmental one. We're just going to stay with the issue on health. So a quote that I took was, this is a long quote, of graphene can lead to severe respiratory problems. Think of our COVID vaccine job. Yeah including lung cancer. Respiratory toxicologist Ken Donaldson and his colleagues at the University of Edinburgh have shown that minute graphene flakes, barely a few micrometers across, can enter the human system in humans. These nano, nano, now think, what does nano mean? You often hear nano and I get really frustrated with it when it comes to health products. Uh, this is an inaccurate um, analogy but giving you kind of an idea. Take the size of your hand. Let's say a product or a compound was that size. Now take a minuscule little wee piece off the tip of your fingernail. That would be the nano comparison. It is minutely smaller. Okay? Now think if your hand, if the compound in your body, whether it's a vitamin, a mineral, a phytonutrient, whatever it is, was normally the size of the hand. In order to fit into cell receptors, to cross-transport mechanisms, or to have enzymes interact with it, it has to be the size of your hand. So what good is the nanoparticle? Nanoparticling in clothing and instrumentation, all kinds of other things, can be useful. But in the human body, if that compound is supposed to be the size of your hand and now it's this little tiny fragment off the end of your fingernail, it's now become an irritant. It's not like it blows up to its normal size when it gets into the body. It gets stuck all over the place. It's an irritant. It's a toxin to the body. I've never met anybody yet who could explain why nanonutrients are a benefit to us. So be very careful when you, you see... Advertisements, oh, it's all nanosized. Well, that's great. I'm glad you nanosized it, but of what value is it other than a toxin? Okay, so let's get back to this article. Can I uh, that potential respiratory problems? How many respiratory issues have been associated with COVID and with the vaccine? The job. 
Potential respiratory problems that can be caused by graphene nanoparticles in humans using a pharyngeal aspiration model. That's going in through the nose. Allergy with what else goes in through the nose? Just think about it. This has been reported in the Journal of the American Chemical Society. In short, the microparticles of graphene have the potential to cause severe inflammation within the lungs leading to acute respiratory problems. Eventually, the graphene lodged within the lung can also develop as a tumor causing lung cancer. I'm giving you the reference for that. Now, <laughs> the interesting thing I thought at the end of that article when I read through it was if you want to buy graphene, you can get graphene in like 10 different uh, products, incredibly cheap, and they're all listed at the end of the website. So if that's the case, imagine if they're putting it in to the jabs or the PCR testing and you're getting it, or other vaccines and you're getting it. It's incredibly cheap for them to do that. Okay, so keep that in mind because that comes up in a different way later on. Another article that discusses the toxicity of graphene particles is toxicity of graphene family nanoparticles, a general review of the origins and mechanisms. That is a really good lengthy article, and it, uh, GS nanoparticles, it goes through a whole bunch of different ones and looks at them in different ways and how they impact, how they get into the system, etc. So the, one of the first um, issues is of importance to us, I think, is the administration route. The common quote the common administration route in animal models include airway exposure, so intranasal insulation, intracheal insulation, and inhalation. So any way that they can get it in through the nose. Oral administration, OAG whips. Intravenous injection, hmm, that's starting to ring some bells for you. Interperitoneal injection and subcutaneous injection. Holy cow. They can get it into us in a variety of ways. That is huge. So when it comes to people saying, well, gee whiz, it's in the masks, it's in the PCR testing, and it's in the jabs, that now becomes really huge and viable. So now where does it go once it's in the body? We have another quote. The GFNs, remember that's the uh, graphene family of nanoparticles, reach various locations through blood circulation or biological barriers after entering the body, which results in varying degrees of retention in different organs. It even crosses the blood-brain barrier, for crying out loud. That is huge. Due to their nano size, remember what we just said about nano sizing, GFNs can reach deeper organs by passing through the normal physiological barriers such as the blood-air barrier, barrier, the blood-brain barrier, and even the blood-placental barrier. Holy cow, no wonder it's having an impact on pregnancies. Now, the next question becomes, well, okay, we've figured out that it has a huge variety of ways to get into the body. Once it's in the body, it can basically go anywhere. What happens when it's in the body? Well, the research has shown that it interacts with a number of different cellular components. Holy cow, it's like which cellular component didn't it have an impact with um, when I went through all the different research. So I'm only giving you, and it's actually most of this is out of one article because it made it the most easily understood, if you want. You didn't have to get into all the chemical technology and, or technical terms and uh, medical terms. But we're going to go over some basic components that interact. If you want to go over a much broader list, because I've not even gone over a quarter of them here, if you want to go over all the rest of them, this is a great article to read. It is really, really powerful. Okay, so what's one of the things that it impacts? Well, the first one that I thought I'd put up is macrophages. Now, macrophages are an important component of your immune system. It's a, <laughs> a real simplistic term is they go around gobbling up toxins in particular um, uh, pathogens, um, but all kinds of toxins. And depend, there's all kinds of different macrophages in the system, okay? So this is macrophages are a huge component that has all kinds of subcomponents 
that are part of your immune system that help protect you. The problem is they get inside the macrophages, graphene oxides. Look at what it says. Quote, macrophages were observed to undergo prodigious morphological changes upon contact with the GO. Now, I'll just point out here, with all the ones in this article, I've left the referencing numbers in the quote so that if you want to go to the article and you, you want to explore this further, you can go directly to the references and the um, articles that are being quoted, okay? So just to let you know that. All right, so we observed that GO, graphene oxide, can morphologically change your macrophages. Holy cow, that's huge. After internalization, the graphene accumulated in the cell cytoplasm, so that's the fluid inside the cell, the perinuclear space, which is inside the nucleus, and the nucleus, which induced cytotoxicity, cellular toxicity. Cytotoxicity is cellular toxicity in maroon macrophages by increasing intracellular, what's ROS? That stands for your free radicals. Through depletion of mitochondrial membrane. What are your mitochondria? Remember your mitochondria, you can have 50 to 500 in a basic cell, upwards of 10,000 in a heart cell or a brain cell. And those, the reason we have so many mitochondria is they produce the fuel the ATP, in order for the cells to function. So <laughs> we keep going further and further sideways. You have over 10,000 enzymes in the body. 98% of those enzymes need that fuel ATP. The rest of them require ADP, which is just one less triphosphate. Okay, so they, those, all those 10,000 in a heart cell or brain cell or up to 500 in a basic cell and anywhere in between have a ton of mitochondria in those cells. But the graphene oxide depletes the mitochondrial capacity to produce ATP. And how do they do it? <laughs> oh, they trigger apoptosis through activation of the mitochondrial pathway. What's apoptosis? Cellular death. So they're disrupting the mitochondria and provoking cellular death one way. That is just going through the macrophages. Okay? Now, let's look at another part. The cytotoxin of the GFNs in vitro, which means in sudden cell um, petri dishes, has been verified in various cells to change both cell viability and morphology, to destroy the membrane integrity. That basically, membrane integrity means the strength of the membrane to do what it's supposed to do, and induce DNA damage. Oh dear, that is pretty scary. Graphene oxide or the RGO decrease cell adhesion, induce cell apoptosis. And to the lysosomes, now lysosomes are basically the component in the cell that deals with toxicity inside the cell. Uh, mitochondria produce the energy, the cell nuclei, that's our DNA, and the endoplasm. Well, we won't get into what the endoplasmic activity is. That gets a little bit more complicated. But it's an important, hugely important component to cellular functioning. Just think of that, this GFO or GO, graphene oxide, is not only affecting so far your macrophages, your mitochondria, but also the um, lysosomes, the mitochondria, again, cell nuclei, your DNA, and the endoplasm. Holy cow. Now, this article, like I said, it goes into each one of these and explains it, goes into incredible detail, which I thought I'm probably way too much detail already for many people, but I'm trying to get the concept across and really, really emphasize how toxic this stuff is. Another statement made in the article, graphene can increase cell viability or cause cell death depending on the cell line, the type of graphene, and the dosage. 
geocytotoxicity was observed in human fibroblasts. Okay, so what are fibroblasts? Those are really important to uh, connectivity. So you need that in um, uh, connective tissue, any kind of connective tissue. So whether you're looking at muscle or bone or cartilage or ligament, hair or nail or skin, whether you're looking at the membranes along all your vascular system, your blood veins um, and arteries, et cetera, that's all connective tissue and it's disrupting it. Oh, dear, that's pretty big. It's also interfering, toxic, to lung epithelial cells. So the epithelial cells are all the cells that are um, on the surface of the actual lung um, cavity, if you want. And that's why you get blood clots. At concentrations above 20 UGs, and after 24 hours, but minimal was toxicity was found in A549 cells at concentrations higher than 50. Okay, so again, the, the big thing is different dosages will have different impacts on different cells. Okay, so if all that hasn't bothered you, you might want to think about this statement. Traditionally prepared graphene oxide often contains high levels of magnesium and iron, are highly mutagenic to cells. Now, when it comes to iron, it depends on the type of iron. So plant-based iron we can absorb easily and get rid of easily, but pharmaceutical iron and other irons are hard to um, absorb and to eliminate. Manganese we need, but at low levels, trace levels. So, unfortunately, the GO can often contain high levels of both manganese and iron, which are very mutagenic to cells. The nonspecific release of these ions from traditionally prepared graphene oxide might lead to unusually high levels of cytotoxicity and DNA fracturing, means breaking up the DNA as we understand it. Pretty pretty challenging. No wonder there's so many. I think we're over um, 3 million critical events. And we're over, just as we said earlier at the beginning of the article, these say the CDC whistleblower said there's over 50,000 deaths in the U.S. alone. Okay. That's not India. That's not Brazil. That's not Europe. That's just U.S. Holy cow. So let's move on. One effect that you are probably familiar with is oxidative stress. That's your free radicals. That's why we take the antioxidants. We've talked many, many times about that. We've also talked about how glutathione is by far the best, by hundreds of thousands of times if you want, the best antioxidant there is. Why? Very, very simply, just as an antioxidant, we've talked that glutathione does more in the body than any other compound or is involved in more things in the body than any other compound. But as an antioxidant, glutathione is the only one we know of that restabilizes itself after it's given an electron away. It not only restabilizes itself, but it can restabilize all the other antioxidants as well. So if you have enough glutathione, you don't have to worry about um, antioxidants, because whatever you have, the glutathione will keep replacing and replacing or restabilizing and restabilizing. Okay, so that is pretty important. So let's go on. In light of all this, this following is pretty powerful. The interactions of graphene oxide with cells can lead to excessive free radical generation. which is the first step in the mechanisms of carcinogenesis, aging, and mutagenesis. Oxidative stress has a significant role in graphene oxide-induced acute lung injury. Oh, oh, that should ring a bell. And the inflammatory responses caused by oxidative stress often emerged upon exposure to the graphene, um, actually they say the GFN, the graphene family of nanoparticles, which include graphene oxide. Similarly, 
oxidative stress was the key cause of apoptosis and DNA damage after the cells were exposed to geographic oxide. Again, I'm giving you just key statements throughout this article. The article is like, if I remember, it's around 30, 40 pages long. So you can imagine. I'm just going through and picking out things that I think will hopefully trigger you to understand how huge this is. Okay, ultimately, this is a very long and detailed reviewed article with lots of references, <laughs> only 153 references. I would encourage you to read it, even if just skimming over it to get an idea of how powerfully toxic these graphemes can be. Now, there is a table in there, and I've also given you not only the reference for the article, but you can go to the reference for the table I've also given you to see all the different types of um, graphemes in the family of nanoparticles and what they do. And, of course, graphene oxide is the one that's listed the most often and causes the most issues. Apology with, are you surprised? Okay. So we've gone over all of this stuff. It's uh, pretty technical compared to what we're used to dealing with. So what does it say in summary? Number one, the geos, graphene oxide, can enter the body through a number of means which is why many are now claiming it is not only in the masks, it's in the PR testing, it's in the jabs, holy cow. Then we have the GOs, graphene oxides, have different impacts at different dosing. So another quote I've given you here is, graphene materials cause dose-dependent toxicity in animals and in cells, such as the liver and the kidney and the lung granuloma formation, decreased cell viability and cell apoptosis. There's a reference for that as well. Not only can they get into the body in a variety of ways, they can cause a variety of different types of damage depending on the dosage. Okay, let's keep going. We've got a lot more to cover here. So geos, graphene oxides, can cause damage to a variety of cells and cell components in a number of ways. So let's go through that. It can cause cell apoptosis. That means pre-programmed cell deaths in certain Factors, variables are reached within a cell, the cell will die. That can mean not enough glutathione as well as all kinds of other things. The graphene oxide is toxic to the fibroblast, which we've already discussed. It's hugely important to all your different types of connective tissue. Again, another connective tissue is uh, the cell adhesion, and it decreases the cell rate adhesion, which means then again your connective tissues don't function properly. It causes problems with the lung cells. So I've got a quote in here. GO reportedly disrupted the alveolar. Now alveolars is like a million alveolars in each lung. The reason for that, that is where the blood goes to release carbon dioxide and pick up um, oxygen. But the GO disrupts the alveolar capillary barrier, which means the blood can't get in properly. It can't drop off the carbon dioxide and pick up the oxygen. Golly gee whiz. Consequently, allowing inflammatory cells to infiltrate into the lungs and stimulate the release of pro-inflammatory cytokines. How many times have we heard about this cytokine stream that goes through the body because of the inflammation in the lungs? I mean, we've heard about that right from day one. Golly gee whiz. It enters into the lysosomes, those are the components that take care of the toxins in the cell. So I gave you another quote. Increasing concentrations of graphene oxide entered the lysosomes, the mitochondria, the endoplasm, and the cell nucleus. Several data indicated that the GO caused apoptosis-mediated cell death at a lower death, dose, sorry, not death, at a lower dose, and early time point, but that necrosis was prevalent with the increase in time and dose. So the small amounts can have an impact of cell death at a lower uh, dosage and more immediately, but it has an increase over time and overdose. So as time prevails or as the dosage prevails or increases, and you have more and more apoptosis or cellular death occurring. 
It can cause mitochondrial damage. Well, we've gone over that. They said they produce the fuel in the cells. So the quote I have for that one is, therefore, except for the plasma membrane damage and oxidative stress induction, graphenes can cause apoptosis and or cell necrosis by directly influencing cell mitochondrial activity. So they not only cause oxidative stress, which increases the need for glutathione, and if there isn't sufficient glutathione or there's insufficient mitochondria, either way, you cause apoptosis or cell death. Golly gee whiz. Are you scared yet? (laughs) Number seven, it causes damage directly to the DNA. So graphene oxides, again, quote, dramatically decrease the expression of differential genes that are responsible for the structure and formation of the cell membrane. So your DNA has to release what's called RNA, and there's three different types of RNA. They work together to create your cellular membrane. But the graphene oxide disrupts the ability of the DNA to create the structure and form needed for the cell membrane. And that goes on to say the GOs, the graphene oxides, may possess sufficient genotoxic properties and cause severe DNA damage. For example, chromosomal fragmentation, so that's the chromosomes, your pairs of chromosomes, the, and it's saying, for example, chromosomal fragmentation, okay, disruption, DNA strand breakages, again, disruption, point mutations, again, disruptions, and oxidative DNA adducts and alterations. Holy cow. That is huge. And it enters into the inner fluid of the cell and moves through that fluid. Now I've put, now, please note, I've only identified a few of the issues here. Please read the article. See how many more toxicity issues, types of cell damage and dysfunction, system dysfunction, et cetera, are related to these graphemes. Another note, and I think this one is particularly important to note, is that this was a scientific review article that was written in October of 2016. This is not reactionary to what's going on today. This was already well established with 153 references to support it. Okay, let's move on. Why is this all important? Well, there's a Spanish group, La Quinta La Clima, that claim, quote, graphene oxide is a toxin that generates thrombi, which is blood clots, in the organism. Graphene oxide is a toxin that generates blood coagulation. Graphene oxide causes alteration of the immune system. Oxidative balance in relation to the glutathione reserves. It should be glutathione reserves. If the dose of graphene oxide is increased by any route of administration, it causes the collapse of the immune system and consequently the cytokine storm. Holy cow. Now, the original interview was done in Spanish, but I've given you the reference to find the English translation. This group says, quote, graphene has precisely that quality. It becomes magnetic in contact with the hydrogen in the body. Later on, it says the mRNA is really to encapsulate the graphene so that it gets to the brain neurocortex. Holy cow, now that is scary. Your brain, yeah, undetected by the immune system. So RNA in your body holds onto the graphene, crosses the blood-brain barrier, and gets into your brain without your immune system even detecting it. Wow. They claim that's the sole purpose. And they say this is a massive deception that they have subjected the entire population to. Oh, okay. Take a deep breath, and we will continue on. 
An interesting connection that we haven't discussed in this article is between the graphene oxide, <laughs> which has an absorption band for 5G frequencies. What has been going on? What have we said right from the beginning that it has, has something to do with 5G? Well, yeah, it does. Golly gee whiz. The magnetic? Hmm. Yeah, we are going to have another session on 5G and the jab. Won't be today, but we will get there. If you're interested, we posted a lot of these issues way back a year and a half ago. So if you want to go into all the um, old articles that we have posted, you can go back to March and April and May of next year, and you'll see that we already identified all this. Our draft Delgado states, quote, nanotechnology is being introduced into the vials, not exclusively of COVID-19, but also of the influenza vaccine. Remember I said earlier, COVID jabs weren't the only one, the influenza jabs as well. And in fact, it is precisely with the anti-flu vaccine that they did it. And that they caused, in their opinion, the COVID-19 itself. Okay, so this is really interesting because we have a lot of theories on this COVID-19. Number one, it's never, you know, uh, SARS was identified within three weeks of the bat that it supposedly came from. We still haven't identified where this supposedly came from if it was from another animal. Second to which, we've had umpteen people identify, claim to identify the RNA, and yet they're all different. Isn't that interesting? Thirdly, we've had... um, interviews with different people from the universities, both in the U.S. and from Wuhan, who said they've been trying to put together a number of the coronaviruses together. Hmm. And now they're saying, these guys are saying, well, hold on a minute. Maybe it wasn't the different SARS put together. Maybe we've been set up with the flu vaccines to get this COVID by injecting graphene oxide into the flu vaccine, which we've said all along. It's ridiculous. If you understand how um, bacteria operate, then the flu vaccine doesn't make any sense. Well, now it would make sense if this is the case. So we still have a number of issues, and they could all be partially right. Who knows? All right. I hadn't heard that twist before, and there's really good logic there, so I guess we need to explore that. we got the next, what, five sessions so far set up for us of what we need to explore. Oh, holy cow. Okay, now, you've probably seen, I'm sure, heard, if not from me, from others, that um, there was a number of um, videos done on people that were showing there is no information or fact sheet in the, uh, quote, jobs. Now, those tell you what's in the the, uh, job, uh, what the risks are for taking, why you're taking it, and why it's a, uh, a benefit to you over the risks. And yet, people have pulled out these fact sheets and they're blank. Holy cow. How come there's nothing on them? Well, I was thinking, okay, so what if we actually go in and try and find what is in these different jobs? Because theoretically, it should be there. So I've given you three different sites for Moderna, for Pfizer, and for the Johnson Johnson or the Johnson um, job, you can download. They say nothing about what's in them. So unless you're a scientist with a laboratory and know how to assess what's in them, you don't have a friggin' clue. And this is what we've been saying to people from day one. Why would you have something injected in your system when you don't even know what's in there? With polio. They had an infected that they knew was infected after the second year and that they continued to use it for five years until they ran out of it, even though they knew it was infected. We've got all kinds of issues with these things that the infections cause more problems. And typically, if you actually go into the real, I get rather passionate. Do you get, <laughs> do you hear that in my voice? I get really passionate about this stuff. I get so fed up with them telling us something is good when it, in fact, is infected or it's detrimental, and they know it's detrimental, and yet they still keep pushing it. This isn't the first time this has happened in this century. Even in the last 100 years, this has happened several times now. There's books out on it, for crying out loud. 
I'm not to say that just because it's in a book or because it's written makes it true, but it gives, you know, there's so much referencing to support how criminal the system has been from day one. So, yes, I get really, really passionate about it. Now, in addition, uh, I also gave you the uh, reference for the FDA who updated the fact sheets on June 28th. Still don't tell us anything that we want to know. Okay. So, now... <laughs> Because of all this, of course, you're going to get all these fact-checking programs saying, oh, this is wrong, this is wrong, they they lie, blah, blah, blah. The problem is you go in to see who owns the fact-checking sheets. Well, CNN owns one of them. George Soros and Bill Gates owns the Facebook fact-checkers. There's another uh, fact-checker for vaccines. Well, it's owned by, I had to laugh at that, a former CDC director who owns it and has $1.98 billion invested into Johnson Johnson stock. Like, come on, guys. They're just lying. They're just outright lying. Now, there's what has, um, I think it's only a year old. Not sure on that. Don't quote me on that. It's the ISDN, which is the International Fact Checking Network. <laughs> So go in and see who funds that. Well, guess what? Gates Foundation, amongst others, is supports that. So, again, um, it's difficult. You can't believe any of these fact checkers. They're just trying to distract the general public from what's really going on. So I've given you even another uh, reference, um, sources that are not to be trusted, and it's a freepublic.com, freerepublic.com. And it talks about how the fact-checking sites are actually useless. Well, I don't think they're useless. I think they're great ways that the, quote, bad guys, if you want, have created to distract people who are struggling to find out what's really going on, distract them and send them down the wrong alley. And, of course, those fact-checking have <laughs> determined that the graphene oxide is not in the vaccines. So, of course, I'm going to all the other scientific sites, and there's several scientific reports that confirm even the patent applications to use graphene oxide in vaccinations. One study that came out of the unit, and I'm just giving you a few. I've got pages of this. Like, you can't put all this into one short hour. Don't even know if we're going to get through here. But anyways, once I came out of the University of Almira School of Engineering in Spain, interesting place to have the study, but if you understand all the different ways that the vaccine, um, or sorry, that the graphene oxide is used, then it makes sense. But they claim that each dose of the uh, Pfizer shot was found to contain six, nan- six nanograms of the RNA and 700 and 47 of the graphene oxide, which is 99% of the medication that you're being given. And you can go to the reference for that. I gave you that too. Another uh, much more easily read um, transcript is an interview with Dr. Jane Ruby. I've given you the um, transcript for that. She goes into it and, again, how it's used and why it's, how it's been abused. Um, she talks about uh, specifically... The actual, in this interview, the actual contact, contents inside the um, vials and how they've been exploded. Now, the main person being identified for this graphene oxide is a Dr. Ricardo Delgado. He's an MD. He's an internal medicine specialist in Palm Harbor, Florida. He's affiliated with medical facilities, Mies Countryside Hospital and the Morton Plant Hospital. Um, there is actually an interview with him, uh, and I've given you the reference for that, but there's also uh, a transcript. I've given you the reference for that as well. Today was with regards to, okay, if you understand all this, you understand whether you understand it in detail or conceptually, that they're putting this graphene oxide into not just the masks, but into the PCR testing so that you get it into the nose, also in the jabs and all the different types of damage it can do to cell membranes, to the macrophages, to the mitochondria, to the lysosomes, I mean, it goes on to your central nervous system, to just all kinds of stuff if you read the articles, then you want to protect yourself. So how, if you get how huge this is, what are you going to do to protect yourself? Holy cow. 
Well, I've got two items that I know of that are very good. The pine tree extract. We, we've gone over that. You can look up the other articles. We've gone over the compounds in it, how the compounds work, et cetera, where they're found, what have you. And those <clears throat> the pine tree extract contains two compounds that are known to protect your DNA and RNA. Okay? You can also make a pine tree needle tea just by taking pine needles. But if you're going to do that, which is not a problem for me, if you want to do that, go ahead, but make sure you do the research so you understand which pine tree needles can be toxic because there's two species that can be toxic out there. Uh, The compounds are also found in other trees as well, even cedars, but they're the highest concentration are found in your pine tree, your white pine tree, and your red pine tree, I think, are the two categories. So that protects your DNA and RNA. Now, the other thing we want to, of course, my favorite compound, glutathione, I give to all my clients. You want products, you want diet that increases your glutathione. Your glutathione protects your mitochondria. It protects your DNA. It regulates and protects your immune system. It, it helps your body in so many different ways. And it is by far the best antioxidant there is, like hundreds of times better than anything else. So those are the two products that you want. Now, how do you increase your glutathione? We only have a couple minutes left. You want to uh, use herbs like milk thistle and turmeric. Make sure what I say about your turmeric, go to Savanti if uh, nothing else. 80% of the world's turmeric is toxic. Savanti's turmeric not only uh, is clean, but it's gone through three different laboratory testing. So you want to make sure you can use that. Green tea as well. Compounds like NAC, which stands for N-acetylcysteine, it stabilizes the cysteine in your body so your body can keep it and not eliminate it and use it to make glutathione. You want foods that are high in glutathione like avocados and whey protein. They have all the different components in. The problem is, again, the cysteine. The cysteine is unstable and you eliminate it quickly, but things like avocados and whey protein have lots of it. Uh, the problem with buying glu- uh, glutathione is that, like even in the, glu- the avocado and whey protein, the hydrochloric acid in your stomach breaks it down and you lose the cysteine. Foods that include the amino acids, glycine, glutamic acid, and cysteine include lean proteins, hemp oil, and yogurt. Foods rich in sulfur, because there's a sulfur component in the glutathione, so that includes your garlic and your onions, poultry, broccoli, cauliflower, mustard greens, Supple sprouts, amongst others. You also require selenium. Um, oops, I forgot to metabolize that one. The next one is you want to increase both your uh, vitamin C and vitamin E. So for that, use your lemons and limes, red peppers, and again, avocados. You also want methylation-rich foods. You need to let methylation cycles in the cell to make glutathione. Two big things you need is the mitochondria, or three things, the mitochondria to produce the fuel, the DNA to produce the RNA component, and the uh, methylation. Now, to increase your methylation cycles, the big thing is your vitamin B9, such as asparagus, avocados, broccoli, and lettuce. 